Welcome to today's episode of the Ain't That Good Podcast with me, Brandy, Tanya, Chelsea, Keisha, special guest, Justin Oric, who is an Enneagram coach and pastor, and you. So pull up a chair as we reframe life one conversation at a time. Hey, everybody. Hey. What's up, podcast? We are so excited. Justin, we are so excited that you are here. You are literally our first guest. Yes. I like being the first. Yeah. The first shall be last, though. Ooh. (laughs) I can live with that. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure before we get started. So, Justin, will you tell our listeners kind of who you are, what you do? Yeah, I uh, my name is Justin. I am um, a church planter and pastor outside of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia. I also do marriage coaching and Enneagram coaching, um, and we have a blast doing it. That sounds, sounds great. Like Listen, so much fun. We talk about Enneagram all the time, like we really know what's going on. And truthfully, at least I can speak for myself, I'm kind of like, I mean, I know a little bit, but not really anything. <laughs> know enough to be dangerous. Yeah, enough to be dangerous. What I love about the Enneagram so much is that, like, you know, as I kind of dipped my toe in the pool, I realized (laughs) this is a lot of fun, but you can go real deep if you want to go real deep. Yeah. And so um, to kind of feed my insatiable curiosity, I decided I'm going to go there. I'm going to get certified as a coach and just have a lot of fun. I I do it for um, some business clients of mine. Like I've been brought in now for a couple different, actually four different corporate clients, which was really fun for me oh. to come in and do like Enneagram coaching for uh, the business world. It was really fun. Oh, nice. And um, I've done it a lot. I use it a lot in relationship coaching, marriage coaching. Um, I'm also a husband and a dad, and it's a lot of fun there too, because it, it honestly is a beautiful tool for self-understanding and empathy, and it just does what it needs to do. Yeah. That's so good. Now, for our listeners, um, we've challenged Justin to determine who he thinks is what number. So he thinks he's going to be able to figure it out pretty quickly as we uh, conversate over the next session or two here. So we'll see if he gets it right. So I'm interested to see. But yeah, Justin, would you go ahead and get stars and kind of give us somewhat of an overview of the Enneagram as a whole? Because some of our listeners may have no idea what the heck we're even talking about. Or they're they're like us. They know a little bit. But it's such a wonderful point of reference, especially when you're getting to know each other in the beginning or even when you know each other really, really well. There's always something new to discover. Well, I'll tell you, like, right away, typing somebody else is like a party foul. Like, you know, when you... Yeah, like when when you start off with the Enneagram and you're like just learning it, you run around and tell everybody, I think you're a five, I think you're a four, I think you're a six. And that's that's like one of the like, you know, you don't do that. That's like a party foul because you can it's it's supposed to be, um, or it, it, it functions best, I should say, as a path for, for growth and self-discovery. And um because it has to do too with the motivations about your why. Why it is you do mm-hmm. what you do. Yeah. You could exhibit some behaviors that are really typical of one number uh-huh. and actually be coming from a place that's really, you know, deeply from a different number. Um, but I will, I'll, I'll, I'll try and let you guys know, cause you guys have already typed yourselves. So I, I'm not going to try and type you. I'll try and discover the type that I think you might be. 
And you okay. guys can confirm that for me. or deny Thank you it. for being sensitive. And we didn't <laughs> yes. even know it was needed. Yeah. Well, one of you did. One of you 100% knew it was needed. And it's the four. The four knew <laughs> that there's some sensitivity required. <laughs> She's been me. pondering on this for years. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But so this is, this is what I think. Um, I, I've been doing marriage coaching a long time. Uh, first as just a pastor. And then eventually we went on to get, you know, marriage coaching certifications. We use a tool called prepare and rich. You're probably familiar with that, Brandy. We do it a lot. We do a lot of couples coaching. I mean, I've done a ton. I, I became the area trainer for that tool in my kind of area. So I, I get to now train the, the other marriage coaches and it's a lot of fun. And I kept kind of running into issues, interpersonal issues that were just personality driven. Mm. Not a right or wrong thing. Right. Not like a, you know, you are not yet mature thing, but just like I see the world so fundamentally different than you oh, think. So true. <laughs> and like I walk into the room and this is what I see. And you walk into the room and this is what you see. You're walking into this conversation. It looks to me like you're backing into this conversation. And I'm wondering why you don't turn around and see it my way. And this is um, why we have the four gospels, not the oh, one gospel. Yes. So the Enneagram is this beautiful tool that I think at the same time is fosters self-awareness and it provides a vocabulary mm. For you to sort of say, oh, there I go again. I'm a seven doing seven things. You know, there I go again. And it, it also, at the same time, encourages compassion and understanding. And I think that those two things really help with assertive communication, active listening, you know, meeting your partner where you're at, where they're sure. at, trying to figure all that stuff out. And so that's where I kind of approached it at first. I thought I would just do this for fun myself. And then I eventually got to the point where people were like, actually, this really matters. And some of the people I would coach as, you know, in for, for couples coaching would say, you got to come do this for my business. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the uh, first company was this large hospitality group. They have like 10 restaurants in the D.C. area. And they were like, we want you to do like a like a like a three day all employee Enneagram seminar. And they literally let me go like all day. Wow. wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this will be fun. And they were like, just so you know, that the, the uh, one of the man, one of the partners said, my other partner thinks this is all BS. He's <sighs> like, he doesn't believe in any of this. He's <laughs> like, so just and by by the end of like our first you know hour, he was like leaning in. He's like really getting into it. He got really. Then he was like, I got some feedback about your talks. I gotta tell you. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are a one. And he was like, how'd you know? <laughs> Bless the ones. Like you're just them. using feedback right out the gate. You got you got some constructive feedback. You already told me the eleven things I did wrong. I've known you for forty five seconds, and that, there you go. That Constant is so improvement. funny. Yeah, that is good. That's so, good. if you're not familiar, uh, those listening with the Enneagram, it is a human framework for it. It is an ancient framework for the human personality. There are nine numbers. They do that on purpose because numbers don't have any value attached. not positive or negative. It's not like mm -hmm. you look at this and you're like, oh, that's judgy. It's like, I don't want to be that. It's just neutral. And there's no sense in rank. It's not like if you're a nine, that's better. Like sometimes people mm -hmm. are like, oh, why aren't I a better number than a three? And like only a three is worried about being the best number on the Enneagram. But, <laughs> um, like well, which one wins? Okay, well, we know three. Just settle down three. Um <laughs> And it, what it does really well 
sometimes when people delve into personality stuff, I was big into Strengths Finder. We did Myers Briggs. We did all the different, you know, um, personality frameworks as a church staff member and everything over the years. What's so powerful about the Enneagram is it functions like a map and a mirror, a mirror to self-understand. Hey, why do I do the dumb stuff that I do? You know, mm-hmm. what are my motivations? Where is this coming from? I mean, mm-hmm. I do all kinds of unhelpful, toxic, just ridiculous things. Mm-hmm. Why do mm-hmm. I do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And instead of it being, you know, like when you first get into anything personality related, it's a little bit like, oh, I have this now book of ready-made excuses for all my dysfunction. Yeah. Ugh. You don't get to do that with the Enneagram because the whole idea is not to become more yourself. It's to integrate. It's to become more balanced. It's to be, find a healthier version of you to deal mm-hmm. with your deficiencies, to deal with your business, to figure out, oh my gosh, I don't need to live in the grip of addiction. I'm doing that to look for something else. And so there's a better pathway for growth. So as a minister, for me to pair that with this beautiful truth of the gospel of Jesus, mm-hmm. you're talking about like spiritual formation awareness, you're talking about inviting mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit to do some deep work, to heal those parts of me that get broken because of sin and selfishness. I now get this tool to actually talk with God about like, oh, God, I am this way. These are the stupid things that I do. And, you know, you it's a little bit like the Apostle Paul when he talks about like, I don't, you know, I look at what I do and I wonder why the heck I do what I do. And so the Enneagram helps you get a grip on some of those motivations and then start a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Where's it going to go? Where's it going to take you? What is a pathway towards growth mm. look like? That makes me feel better already because I took the test several times because I didn't like all the negative aspects okay. of it. Yeah. But to hear it from that view is like, okay, yeah, let's, that's where we are. Let's learn from it. Let's grow. Yeah. Keisha, oftentimes when you're doing discovery work like that, you start with the negative. Um, certain types get triggered, especially by the negative, but that's kind of how, you know, like it's yeah. kinda, you're like, Oh wait, you know, somebody's reading my mail. Like, I don't like anything that I just said there. Um, I remember the first time I ever heard, have you, have you all heard the songs by sleeping at last? Uh, uh-uh. no, Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, this one's for free. If you're listening right now, your <laughs> homework after you finish this great podcast is to go find these, the, the, there's a whole series of songs by an artist called sleeping at last. And he did, he is, first of all, he's an incredible musician. Second of all, he wrote these songs for each type and he wrote them only using musicians of that type to perform the music. Wow. And that's crazy. You feel like he's in your head. I just remember hearing mine for the first time and just weeping and crying. And my family's looking at me like, what is wrong with dad? And I'm just like, he doesn't see, he sees me. He sees me. He sees me. Oh, that's so good. That's awesome. Hey, Tanya, can you link that in our show notes? Yes, I wrote that down to, cool. to link. We'll make sure Absolutely. we put some links so that people can find it a little bit easier. So, but you, I, I got triggered by mine. You know what I'm saying? You're like, hey, well, how do you know? How do you know that's what eats me from the mm-hmm. inside out? And so that is, that's one of the powerful things about the Enneagram is, yes, it's a mirror. I get to know myself, but it's also a map. And so if you don't know it, there are nine numbers. It's kind of a weird looking symbol. And I grew up in this kind of Pentecostal world where people would get triggered by symbols of it. It's like, oh my God, it's gotta be satanic. And a satanic panic would take over and they would say like, oh my God, (laughs) shut this crap down. This is probably a problem. And um, 
you know, no, uh, you know, I, I we actually did an entire series on the Enneagram as a church as the framework for discipleship when we walk through the wisdom of scripture right alongside this. And, you know, there's a lot of debate about where it came from, but it's got roots that go back to like ancient Greece. But really, the gift of the Enneagram was given to the common person because of the church fathers. So this, mm-hmm. the, especially back in the desert fathers, they're the ones who kind of preserved it. And recently it's found a resurgence because of um, hipsters. Yes. So you, you got to thank the hipsters. The hipsters found it, you know, the teaching of some people like Richard Rohr and those guys who kind of had this rich Catholic tradition of spirituality and um, spiritual coaching, spiritual direction. They've used it for a long time. But when the hipsters find these people, then we're like, oh, my God, it's cool and new. It's and authentic amazing. And old. So and we thank you. Hipsters. Gained thousands of more followers just because of that. Yeah. Shout out to the hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good the history of it so you said there's nine numbers and so we're going to attempt to to kind of get a little bit of an overview of really all of them in the next couple of episodes well really if you look at that symbol it's broken up into these triads okay so when you get into these triads, you'll see on the one side, you get, you know, five, six, and seven on this side of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And that's the head triad. That is the thinking center. That's, those are the people that are in their heads. They're thinking, they're overthinking, they're analyzing, they're overanalyzing. And there's a relationship always with the number that's in the center of those triads. And we'll get into that if we have enough time to kind of that like accentuated type or counter type. So in this case, it would be six. Mm-hmm. And where that shows up is in the shadow side. So if you're the kind of person that primarily your instinct center, you, your, your emotional fluency is primarily through your head. So you're a thinker. A problem comes your way, you're thinking, you're responding, you're, you're puzzling. Well, those people are often those who struggle with anxiety and fear. And so that's the, that's the shadow side. Mm. of the, the head triad shadow side is fear. So when it goes dark, that's where you go. So five, six, and seven, that is a real struggle for you. Um, and don't get confused because you could have any number and have generalized anxiety disorder, any number of things too. But Because um, sometimes people want to say, I've got to be in that triad because I have anxiety. I was like, well, hang on now. The world just sure. gives us all a little big dose that's of anxiety right. these days. But moving along there too, you get up into the, you know, if you're counting that way, two, three, four, <laughs> and that is the heart triad. So that's about feeling. That is a, an emotional intelligence that's just built into those numbers, uh, with the exception of three, because three is in the middle. And so it's kind of a counter type. So as you would expect them to be emotionally fluent, like the twos and the fours, threes are actually in this position of like emotional denial. They're like, I'm so uncomfortable with these feelings, I'm going to pretend I don't have feelings or downplay them a little bit. I got like a blind spot. But if you're living from that heart center, from that emotional center, then the shadow side then becomes shame. And you you know what I mean. If you're in that center, you go, oh, I totally get it. I'm not enough. I'm not enough on my own. I have something to prove. I'm not, I, I, I'm not who I wished I was. And, and that leaves on, on the top of the Enneagram, this eight, nine, and one. And that's in this kind of top triad of the Enneagram. And that is the body kind of triad. And, and they experience it through their gut. Right. And, you know, that's an old way. We used to sort of think about the gut as the locus of the will. 
mm-hmm. people so I can feel that in my gut. Mm-hmm. And and what happens there is when they go to the shadow side, it's rage, it's anger. Ooh. Those people know, and, and you know, and it looks very different. Anger for a nine looks incredibly different from anger from a one. Yeah. You know, one has like a simmering annoyance with you and your stupid way you tap that pen when we're in this meeting. I'm going <laughs> to. That was me. I'm real sorry. <laughs> I'm going to low key find a new place for that pen, you know, like simmering anger all the time. And you don't, because ones feel this sense of like, hey, I, I'm, I'm raging about this. Rage is not a socially acceptable emotion to vent. And ones care so much about doing it the correct way. Mm-hmm. They just bottle that rage up mm-hmm. and dump it on their children later. <laughs> It isn't always their kids. It can be the husband too. It can be anybody. So So what are we having for dinner tonight, mom? Rage. You're having a little rage. rage. (laughs) So Justin, we do this thing in our episodes where we call it a here to there. Okay. And so we wanted our here to there to be, what is a tool? that you would recommend people using if they're wanting to take this test? Like where should they go? So what is our here to there gonna be today? So I like like one test. There are many, many tests. If you do a Google search, you'll find a dozen tests. Um, I don't love tests as a rule for the Enneagram. They can sometimes be really helpful. If you're an obvious, you know, candidate for your number, you're gonna test just fine. It will help you understand yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're stuck between two, it's gonna be more difficult. Mm-hmm. There's one test and it's from the Enneagraminstitute.com. Enneagraminstitute.com. And it's called the Riso Hudson test, the ready. You, you'll hear people talk about this in the literature, R-H-E-T-I, ready. Um, and that's the Riso Hudson Enneagram typology, something, something. Um, okay. I wonder what the I means. Institute? Probably. Sounds good to me. Anyway, um, but that's that's what that is. It will cost you about 30 bucks. Um, I now require that with couples I coach. Hmm. It's just so good. It, 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 it saves us a lot of time. It cuts through a lot of other stuff. It helps us on the path of discovery. But really, I mean, if you want to go from here to there, um, do your homework. D- get on that. Get on that website. You don't even need the test. If you walk through the nine descriptions, what you're looking for is not, oh my God, that's me all the time because you're fluid. Mm-hmm. You're constantly growing. You're constantly moving. You know, I go, you know, Riso Hudson has this idea of like the layers of health and integration and levels of health. When I'm healthy, I look like a different version of my number than when I'm not healthy. Mm-hmm. When I'm not healthy, I don't look very good. You know, talk about being in the basement, Keisha, you know, some of those things are a little triggering about me. Um, I I go there, you know, and you can kind of see that. So because things will be in different degrees at different times, what you're looking for is, is this mostly me? Is this 60, 70% me? Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is with somebody you really love and trust that really knows you. Uh, and if you're like a five, you only have one person that really knows you anyway. So you don't need to worry about, you know exactly who it is. You know, <laughs> if you're a six, you got a whole committee of these people. And and so it'll be exhausting to kind of do it with your whole committee. But because they're going to help you see blind spots, sure. they're going to, you know, you're going to say to yourself, because we all are, all of us, 
we like to think of ourselves as highly rational, logical creatures. But in truth, we're highly emotional, highly relational, completely erratic creatures. And Absolutely. our moods change all the time. And, mm -hmm. and our behaviors make no sense. And even when we think they make perfect sense to us, they make no sense to the people who love us at all. It's true. So true. So. On the levels of the continuum, I was reading about that earlier today. And one of the tidbits from the Enneagram Institute was people that are higher, meaning more helpful in their levels. One of the number one factors is they are able to be present. Mm. As you go down, as far as not average to unhealth, people tend to be more curved in on themselves, more mm -hmm. self-focused and unable to be present. Is that? Yeah. Are there any other key factors as far as how we should measure our maturity, how we're growing, how we're becoming healthy? Yeah, I, I think that will be largely determined by type. Um, oh. As you talk, that is certainly true for the sevens and the ones, this idea of presence, needing, needing presence. That's a very, you, you say that word and I'm like, oh, that gets me. You know, um, sevens are always elsewhere. We're always in the next adventure. We're always <laughs> in the next thing. So, you know, you, you say this, Chelsea, and I, I got a feeling I know something about you, right? You know, <laughs> always looking for the next hit. Uh, dopamine hit. You always <laughs> got to find this next little bit of variety. You know, Chelsea, if you were to come here right now, um, you would you would see in my house uh, a whole list of certifications and trainings. Okay, let me just tell you about myself for a little bit. I, I, I'm a ballroom dancing instructor. Okay, what? I killed. I, I actually killed with John Dowdy the um, New Brunswick province record black bear in 2022. <laughs> um, I make pottery on a potter's wheel. Um, I, I reload my own ammunition in my garage. Um, wow. I, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm a relationship coach. I'm an Enneagram coach. I've got two different master's degrees. Um, I read about 30 or 40 books a, um, a month. I just devour stuff. Hey. I just did pound in books. I mean, I read two books today. So like, there we go. I just, I'm just, it all I, makes just sense. I just rip through it and I can't stop. And I have an insatiable <sighs> desire for, for the next thing. And Ooh. I cannot sit still. Ooh. And so you talk about being present. And I, I think you read the levels of health for a seven is what I think you read. <gasps> Shoot. That was, I'm blown away. I'm He's following away. you around, Chelsea. All I did was quote, but I did steal the quote that I thought that was most pertinent. Okay. But <laughs> amen to that. I'm just going to lay down on this couch I'm sitting on and pretend like I'm in therapy right now. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm going off the grid. <laughs> yeah. So do, uh, what, what would you, how would you like to proceed? Um. Can you explain a little bit about the wings? I know yes. that was something that we discussed privately mm -hmm. behind your back. Like, you know, how do those work? Mm -hmm. um, are the wings always the number directly under or above you? Like, yep. Can you help explain that a little bit? So I'll give you something really helpful. This is actually my biggest takeaway from my Enneagram coaching training was this idea of your inner committee. Okay, so what, what Brandy's referencing, if you don't know the diagram, you got to look at the diagram. The numbers kind of go around the circle, and there's lines that connect, okay? 
Now, there are several different things you're going to pay attention to. One is this line they call the heart line or the integration line. The other is the line they call the stress point or the disintegration line. And then the other things that are interesting is there's a relationship always with either number on the, on the left and right of your number. So in my case, I'm a seven, and you'll, you'll get to know me a lot as we go through this, which means my committee, my connected numbers on my right-hand side of my committee is my dominant wing. So I, my wing options would be six or eight. Now, because of who I am and because of how my sevenness was formed in my childhood and the bumps and the challenges that life has taken me through and you know the fact that I've had to do all the things I've done, I tend to lean more on my eight wing. So people would say, oh, Justin, you're a seven wing eight. Mm-hmm. What I don't want you to hear is that that defines me in any way because mm-hmm. it doesn't. You actually are not your number. You are a human person, a child of God who flourishes and grows behind your number. This is a personality framework. It's not you. It doesn't define you. It can help explain some of the things you do and some of your patterns of thinking and and, and reacting and behaving, but it does not, it it isn't you. Okay. So I don't like to say, oh, you're a seven wing eight or whatever. what, what, What number do you identify with? I identify with a seven with a strong wing eight. Also, mm-hmm. my sixth wing, as I grow, I'm now 42 years old, which means I'm, I'm a grown-up officially, I think. <laughs> I um, agree. I think I spent most of my 20s, when I look back on myself, I had just, just really all I had was that <laughs> wing eight. It's probably the only part of my personality I'd ever developed. Mm-hmm. As I've matured, I've learned to kind of shut that eight down a little bit. I don't need to fight everybody. I don't need to argue every point. I can grow up. I can learn. I can integrate. And I can lean a lot more on my six. And my seven says, let's go. It'll be fun. And my six is the voice that says, well, maybe not. You know, um, right before COVID, I ruptured my Achilles tendon trying to be a ninja warrior on a ninja mm. warrior course. Because oh. I'm a seven. And that sounded fun. And nobody was watching me run up the warp wall. And I wanted to impress this girl that I've been trying to impress my whole life. And it, forget the fact that I'm married <laughs> to her. You know? But... <laughs> And she's going home with me no matter what I do. But I'm like, oh, no, no, watch the gorilla climb. And I rupture my Achilles tendon. If my six wing came to that moment in time, he would have said, dude, you're not a ninja. Like, don't do that. Okay. So I've got my eight wing. You want to go home with her, not to the ER with her. Not to the hospital with her. (laughs) Much less like you're going to be immobile for the next nine months of your life because – it takes a long time to heal from that injury. Um, it sucked. Yeah. That's, so that's tough. think about this. This is, this is a good Enneagram bit of wisdom. Okay. So find yourself on the diagram. Look at, now I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine, Brandy, you're in charge of your life. Okay. You, it, it, this is you. Your boardroom, your mental boardroom, like what you have available to you. Much of what the Enneagram is, is the ways that we deal with the imperfection of the world around us. Hmm. There's pain. There's hardship. Things are not what they should be. There's relationships. He did not do what he promised he would do. And she did not come through where she promised she would come through. And I expected this and I was given that. And in the gap, I have to figure out what to do. Hmm. Much of your Enneagram number is wrapped up in what you put in that gap. 
How do you respond to the pain, to the imperfection, to the brokenness, to the darkness, to the bumps that you're going to happen in your story, to trauma events, to difficulty? That's what you do. But I want you to imagine you're at, you're at the, the, the head of the table and you've got, you've got a, a committee of people around you that are your advisors. And it's all you. It's just different parts of your personality. You're not schizophrenic, you, you, you know, but you're, Thank goodness. You, you know what I'm saying? So the, the, the first voice to speak is always your dominant wing. Hmm. Okay, so something happens. Hey, she didn't see me do this impressive thing. I, I, I ran up the warp wall, but she wasn't looking. And my eight wing says, well, climb down and do it again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, do I need to do that? Okay, you know, all right. Now, at my table also are a five and a one because my, my growth point from seven goes to five and my stress point goes to one. The, the loudest voice, the first voice to speak up is always your dominant wing. The next loudest voice is always your stress point. Mm. Okay, and in, in my case, when I go to one, I don't get any of the good side of one, any of the precision, any of the, I, I get this overwhelming sense of an inner critic telling me all the things I've ever done wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So the eight is like, do it again. And the one is like, don't fail, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> this isn't a good conversation yet. As I grow, I learn to listen to the five. And in my case, that five would actually say, hey, dude, there's a better way to do this. Mm. And you don't need to do all this. Matter of fact, she loves you. She, she finds you impressive. She told you that this morning. <laughs> you don't need to slide down the wall and try again. Right? right? And the six would tell me caution. Be careful. This is a dangerous place. There's some real things out there that cause fear. And it's going to ruin your whole life. It was on Valentine's Day. So... I actually said, forget it. I'm going to try again. Ruptured my Achilles, spent the night in the emergency room. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. That's good. So this is, this is your committee. Your committee are your connected numbers. So wherever you are, you've got this. Your dominant wing is going to be the loudest and the first to speak. You really need to get to a point of growth where you can hear all the voices at the table. And you need to do it quickly. You know, when you're dealing with, I got a disappointing bit of news. The doctor called, I didn't like what I just heard. You can run through, you have the ability to do this if you stop and think. Mm -hmm. mm. So as we come to an end of this episode, Chelsea, please tell us what is for dinner. Dinner tonight is turkey meatballs with tomato sauce and spaghetti. Nice. So we're having spaghetti whole wheat pasta. That's how I usually do it. I like fettuccine. My kids like angel hair. It's a conflict every time, <laughs> but we're going to use the end of this tomato season to use the last of the homegrown tomatoes. That's what your sauce is going to be. It's actually a New York times recipe. We'll link it. Um, the turkey meatballs are so good. If you prefer not to eat beef and you want to perhaps have something that's a little bit leaner, I almost always make my meatballs out of turkey. Sometimes I make them out of chicken, but you can season them however you want. If you have an Italian seasoning grinder, you can find that in the store. It actually comes in a grinder itself. That's the Italian seasoning that I use. You can make all this within about 40 minutes. It's delicious. Your kids will love it because they're eating spaghetti, but it's also healthy. 
So anyways, that's it, you all. Thank you for joining us today. Remember that it's God who's the reframer of our lives, making all things new, because we ain't that good. Nope. Amen. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.